You ready to study the Word of God tonight? Second Corinthians. We're going to begin in chapter 4. We'll go back to chapter 1 because it's a verse by verse, but I want to lay the groundwork tonight with a couple of verses in chapter 4. And I really am excited about our semester. I think it's going to be an encouragement to you. Two key verses that summarize the theme of 2 Corinthians, the letter of Paul to the Corinthian Christians. They are 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16. I first want to direct your attention to 2 Corinthians 4 1, where Paul says to the Christians in Corinth, therefore, since we have this ministry, just as God has shown us mercy, we do not become discouraged. This whole letter is directed to Christians. And, and the theme that runs through the entire letter is how to keep us from being discouraged. Very interestingly, the word in the Greek language for discouraged means a lack of renewal. A lack of renewal. In other words, from God's perspective, He wants to renew our lives. We're going to see in a moment on a daily basis. In fact, one of the reasons why many of you folks come out on Tuesday is because from Sunday to Sunday is too long. You, you want something in between Sunday to Sunday. And we get to the point where we have Bible studies and, and small groups and, and where we read and study the Bible for ourselves because we know, we learn very quickly, we need that continual renewal because God's Word is saying to us here, without renewal... We will be prone to discouragement, for discouragement is a lack of renewal in our lives. So with that in mind, and we'll dive into these verses more when we get to chapter 4, but again, this is just for the way of introduction. Look over in verse 16 of chapter 4, where Paul says, therefore, we do not despair. In fact, Compare those two phrases out of verse 1 of chapter 4 and verse 16. We do not become discouraged. We do not despair. Meaning lacking renewal. And here's why Paul says, For even if our physical body is wearing away, our inward or inner person is being renewed day by day. The way I prevent myself as a Christian from becoming discouraged, from getting to a place of despair and hopelessness in my life, is to allow God to renew me. And, and it's God's intention that that renewal be a day-by-day thing. That it's not just from Tuesday to Tuesday, Sunday to Sunday, whatever. That somehow I place into my life the proper environments, the proper time, I, my schedule, I make the time, whatever. So that I can sit at the feet of Jesus and so that like Mary, I can be renewed on a daily basis. Because Paul is going to say to the Corinthians throughout this letter and he's going to remind us throughout this letter that if I do not take time to be renewed by God, I will tend to be discouraged. I will tend to fall into despair. I will tend to become negative. I will tend to see the glass half empty. 
I will tend to allow my circumstances to control me rather than me rising above my circumstances. As I've shared many times in my Bible studies, God wants to create in us as a Christian to grow to the point where we are a thermostat, not a thermometer. Where we're not the thermometer that is, you know, based upon its reading by the outside forces and circumstances, but we are a thermostat that is set. And our setting is on Christ, on keeping our eyes on Christ. And when we do that, and when we allow God to continue to renew us, there will be less and less discouragement and despair and hopelessness in our lives. That's not to say that life's going to be easy. For that's why, if we go back now to 2 Corinthians 1 and pick up our study for the semester in chapter 1, that's what Paul begins to talk to them about. Because he understands, just like it was in his life, that life many times is very challenging. And yet, even in the midst of our greatest challenges, if we are allowing God to continue to renew us day by day, we won't be prone to discouragement and despair. But the longer we go without renewal, daily renewal, weekly renewal, monthly, yearly renewal, then the more prone we will be to discouragement and despair. I would like to sort of title our study of 2 Corinthians this semester, Second Wind. In fact, I'd like you to begin, when you open up your Bibles and if you read 2 Corinthians, to start thinking of 2 Corinthians as the book of Second Wind. Second wind is defined as the energy for a renewed effort to continue something. The energy for a renewed effort to continue something. Like when an athlete or a runner gets a second wind, they're ready to give up, throw up the white flag, throw in the towel, give up, can't go any further, that God wants to give us a second wind to renew that energy within us so that we will continue down the path that he's calling us to go. And all of us need a second wind. All of us need that renewal. And so one of the reasons why I'm so excited about this whole semester is throughout the book of 2 Corinthians, God, through the writing of Paul, is going to weave through this great letter ways that we can be renewed and knowledge and understanding that can help us to gain that second wind when we feel like we are at the end of ourselves and we're ready to give up. Now, you don't know anybody like that, right? And I don't either, but I think it's, it's going to be very good for us. It's been very good for me. It's, it's been very profitable already for me to have studied this book in preparation for our time together this semester, and I'm looking forward to sharing just some of the things that God has laid on my heart for you folks tonight. Verse 1, from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother to the church of God that is in Corinth with all the saints who are in all Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First thing I want you to notice is the name Paul. The name Paul means little or small. Now Paul wasn't always this name. God gave 
Paul, his name, Paul. He was Saul before he became a Christian and met Christ on the road to Damascus. And it was God who gave Saul the name Paul. And one of the reasons why God gave Saul the name Paul, which means little or small, is God, even in the name, wanted to remind Paul, as great Paul as your ministry will be, as great as your missionary efforts and outreach will be, many Christians even would probably vote Paul the greatest Christian who's ever lived that Paul's name was going to remind him and us that this life that we are living is not lived on our own power, in our own strength, in our own wisdom or intellect. That we have to learn to depend upon the Lord and, and in His might. And, and that even Paul's name was reminding him that this is one of the ways that I can have that second win throughout my ministry when I feel like giving up. is because I, I realize it's not in trying to look deeper within me and somehow pull out something that's not going to be there anyway. It's learning to depend more and more on this great God in whom, you know, he never gets tired or weary. Uh, in whom all the resources continue to flow. He never runs out of anything. This is what the name Paul. I think is reminding him and us of. Secondly, notice he is an apostle by the will of God. One of the things I've shared with you over and over again that God just really has nailed down in my life is that I've got to let God be the one ultimately to define who I am and where my life goes and what my life looks like. That obviously... It's okay to get counsel and advice and all of that from other people. We're taught in the Bible to do that. But when it comes right down to it, Paul is also reminding us that one of the things that sustained his effort was the fact that he knew that what he was involved in and what he was doing was the will of God. This wasn't the will of men. This wasn't something he cooked up in his own mind. He wasn't letting others define who he was or what he was or what he became. He let God alone and the will of God define his life for him. And that's what we've got to do too because that will help sustain the effort when the times are tough. It's one thing to be questioning, is this me doing this? And and is this what I think I should be doing? It's a whole other level to know, to know this is what God has called me to. And if God has called me to it, he will give me everything I need to see it through. And that's where Paul's coming from here as well. Also notice that Paul was part of a team. As we've also said, he wasn't a Lone Ranger Christian. He wasn't out there by himself in isolation trying to do this. Notice he mentions Timothy's name in verse 1. And also he writes this letter to the church. And the church is a called out uh, people who live in private homes. And God calls us out of our private homes into a public place to shine our light. And as Brian even said, to go out into the world and to make disciples of all nations. And to be the light that God has called us to be. And we don't do that in isolation. We do that in community. In fact, we don't even grow as Christians, according to the Bible, in isolation. We grow in community with each other. As we each share our spiritual gifts, our talents, our abilities with each other, then the Bible says in Ephesians 4, all of us grows up together as every joint, every person in the body supplies what God has gifted us with. Spiritual growth doesn't take place in a vacuum. It takes place in community. And so Paul is just sharing all these things with us at the beginning of 2 Corinthians because all this information really helps us to get that second wind. It allows us 
that daily renewal that we need so that we don't go towards discouragement or despair. Because God understands. He understands us better than we do that our default, our, our proneness is to go towards discouragement and despair. And that's why God says, you need my renewal in my life. You need my word in your life all the time so that that continual renewal can happen. In verse 2, obviously, he reminds them of just a couple of the resources that God will give them, grace and peace, so that they can continue on in this journey. Now, again, just like with us many times, this this journey that they're on right now, the, the thing that God has called them to, the purpose that God has given them at this moment isn't always easy. Because they were placed in a city called Corinth. If you know anything about ancient cities and ancient cultures, Corinth was very, very corrupt, vile, and immoral. In fact, the name Corinth means satiated. It means fulfilling every desire excessively. It means living without restraint. And that literally described the kind of people, for the most part, that lived in Corinth. A people without restraint, a people that would fulfill every desire excessively, a people that just satiated themselves. So here's this church placed in the midst of this culture, this city, and they're called to make an impact for Jesus Christ. Going to be easy? No way. Can they meet the challenge if they learn to depend on the Lord and learn that this is what God has called them to so that their effort will be sustained and that God will supply them with all the resources they need to continue? Absolutely. But it's not going to be easy. In fact, the word Achaia, the region in which Corinth was in, in verse 1, Literally means trouble. They were in trouble. At that time, the government was in trouble. The economy was in trouble. Homes were in trouble. Marriages were in trouble. People were in trouble. There was trouble around every turn. And it is in the midst of this that God calls the Corinthian church to rise up and to make an impact for Jesus Christ. So it's not going to be a, an easy assignment, but it certainly can be a fulfilling assignment and one that they can, they can do as long as they continue to understand that they need to be daily renewed so that they don't tend to go towards discouragement and despair as they keep trying to make a difference in the world in which they live. Maybe even spouses who are now married to unbelievers because one or the other, the wife or the husband, came to know the Lord and how, how easy it would be for that spouse that was a believer married to an unbeliever to get discouraged and to tend to despair and enter into hopelessness. Will my spouse ever come around? What can I do? That type of thing. God says to the Corinthians, let me renew you so that you can continue to sustain that effort and have the energy for renewed effort so you will continue what I've asked you to do. With that said, in verse 3, Paul says, 
Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. First of all, I want you to see that in verse 3, he calls God the Father of mercies. We could also insert the word compassion there. We could also insert the idea that God is willing to help those who in no way can help themselves. That that whatever they're facing, whatever they're dealing with is bigger than them. And yet our God is not a God who takes any pleasure in sitting back watching us just sort of drown or just sort of... No, God is willing to help us. And not only then is God willing to help us, but the Bible teaches and Paul goes on to say God will help us, wants to help us, and can provide all the help that we need. Which is why he then identifies our God as the God of all comfort. Not just some comfort. Not just 75% of the comfort we need. God is the God of all comfort. And if you've heard me teach before, you probably at some time also heard this phrase from me. The word all means all, and that's all all means. And when the Bible says that God is the God of all comfort, that's exactly what it means. All comfort. And in that phrase, one of the things it means is it is an individual comfort. In other words, God meets us individually exactly where we need to be met. That he'll meet me on my level. It's not just a general God throws out comfort from heaven to everybody and it just sort of all rains down on us. No, God deals with us individually and meets us with his comfort on an individual basis. Secondly... It also is the Greek word paraklesis, which is very similar to the word that Jesus called the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the helper. And that's exactly what the Greek word paraklesis means, one who is called alongside to help. So Paul is saying to the Corinthians, anytime you need help, God is the God of all comfort. He will match his help to you on your level, individually, with whatever you need. And he will call alongside and come alongside to help us in each and every situation we find ourselves in. When we are prone to discouragement, when we are prone to despair, especially when we feel like throwing in the towel and giving up, or that something in our life we're dealing with is bigger than we can deal with, then God comes alongside to help us. You and I never have to feel or believe or know that anything in life we're going to face by ourselves. That's just not true. The Bible tells us that God will never leave us nor forsake us. And the Bible tells us that as a child of God, God will be with us. In fact, we just went through the Christmas season. The name Emmanuel means God with us. And God is with you tonight. Maybe you don't feel like he's with you, but remember, we're not to walk by our feelings. We're, as Christians, to walk by faith. And the faith has to be in the word of God. And God has said, I will be with you. And I am here to help. All we have to be is humble enough to call upon God and ask for his help and to depend upon him to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves and not to try to deal with life and all of these situations in life on our own or else we will definitely become discouraged and filled with despair. 
Notice in verse 4, he says that God then comforts us in all our troubles so that we may be able to comfort those experiencing any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. First of all, I want to direct your attention to the word trouble in verse 4. It literally means a pressure or a pressing together. See, sometimes that's what life is. It is a pressure. It is a pressing together. We feel like we're being squeezed, if you will. In fact, another way to look at this word is even a heating up. That as the friction goes and whatever, sometimes uh, it feels like things are heating up around us. And the pressure is on. And the Bible says that in the midst of all our troubles, God can come along aside to help us when that pressure begins to build. And he does that, verse 4, so that we then in turn, notice, can support those down the road who have experienced and are experiencing some of the similar things that we've went through. In other words, God doesn't allow the pressure and the pressing, if you will, and the heating up of our lives to cause us to discouragement and to despair. Just the opposite. He wants to grow us to the point through those hard times so that we will have, in a sense, a greater ability to minister to others, a greater ability to support others. And in a sense, what God is doing through our hard times in life is to help enlarge our ministry, to help enlarge our impact so that we can make an impact on more and more people as as God works through us and takes us through the valleys of life and through the hard times of life and the pain of life, then as he brings us into contact with other people who've gone, who are going through similar things, we can look them in the eye and we can offer them hope and encouragement because we've been there. We've seen how God brought us through and we're just sharing with them how God can bring them through as well. So here's why I think that information should give us renewal and a second win. Because many times when we fall into trials, as James says in chapter 1, or when something bad happens to us, naturally one of the first things we why? God, why are you allowing this to happen? And, and we've got to realize that one of the things the Bible teaches is it, it might not have anything to do with me. It, it might not be that God's punishing me by allowing me to go through this. It, it may be that God is allowing me to go through this because He wants to entrust me to navigate this with him so that I will become stronger so that then I have a greater ability to be able to support others when they go through hard times. So in a sense, instead of looking at it from a negative perspective, I can look at it that God actually trusts me to handle a difficult assignment and then is going to use that down the road to help more and more people. For those of you that were here on the Sunday that I spoke a couple weeks ago, on the 27th, I share with you about my anxiety and all of that absolute great example of what paul is saying here how god can bring us through something and then we in turn can encourage others and this is the information that paul's going to weave throughout this book so that you and i can get that second wind and not allow life to get the best of us so that we become discouraged and filled with despair notice he also goes on to say that 
We then are able to comfort those experiencing any trouble with the comfort, the encouragement, the refreshment with which we ourselves or are comforted or strengthened by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow toward us, so also our comfort through Christ overflows to you. Great words here. First of all, the first overflow, if you will, or abound in some translations, means exceeding our limits. In other words, Paul is saying, I get it, folks. Sometimes life and the things that we're going through exceeds our limits. It's beyond us. Paul says, don't let that discourage you. Because Paul is going to say that the comfort in those times of suffering overflows to us and then into others. So Paul is simply saying that if the suffering that I'm going through is beyond me, that the comfort that God gives me to deal with it is beyond the suffering. See, God always more than matches what I need to get through whatever I'm going through with His help, with His comfort, with His encouragement, refreshment, and strengthening. That's that's unbelievable to just keep that in mind. The, the, the Bible is saying to all of us as Christians, there is nothing that I could ever suffer, that I could ever go through, that somehow is going to be bigger than God, that God can't help me with. There is nothing, Paul says, that if the suffering is overflowing and coming over me, that I'm drowning, then I also have to remember and rely on and trust in the comfort of God is going to overflow the suffering. Again, I'll just use an example here recently for those of you who are here Sunday uh, with Aaron and the McRae family and what they're dealing with. Unbelievable what they're going through right now with little Kate and their daughter. But God would say to them, as he says to all of us, I realize you're suffering, but you've got to realize that the comfort that I'm going to give you, the help that I'm going to give you to navigate that is going to more than match the suffering and pain that you're going through. And that's what Paul is saying here to the Corinthians, and he's saying to us. Notice verse 6. He says, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. The word afflicted means to press hard upon as grapes. It was a word used in the pressing of grapes. And just like when grapes are pressed, there is wine produced. When we are pressed, God wants the fruit of the Spirit to be produced in our lives. Whether it's the word uh, trouble in verse 4, which means a pressure or pressing, or the word afflicted, they mean similar things. It is a pressing hard upon us. But notice Paul says that when we are allowed to be pressed hard upon, it is for your comfort and salvation. And Paul here is not talking about the moment that they become a Christian, because they're already Christians. The word salvation here is the word deliverance or preservation or perseverance and endurance. In other words, Paul's saying, God allows us to go through things so that we in turn can encourage you so that you'll keep on keeping on. And in turn, whatever God does in your life to keep you going, God's going to bring you in contact with other Christians and other people who are going to need that encouragement and your help so that they keep on keeping on. And so again, it's not always about us, folks. We've got to see it from God's perspective. 
And many times the things that God allows us to go through is not has anything to do with us. It has to do with the fact that God wants to use our life, our relationship, the things that he has taught us through it to impact and touch someone else's life. And that should give us a second wind. That should help us to stay in the game with God. Notice he goes on to say, It is for your comfort that you experience in your patient endurance of the same sufferings that we also suffer. First of all, the word experience in verse 6 is the Greek word energeo, meaning energy. That's why I entitled this study of 2 Corinthians a second win. Because God wants us to experience this energy so that our efforts will be renewed to continue in what God has called us to do. And we can do that then, or when we allow God to do that, then we can, verse 6, patiently endure. The Greek word is hupomone, and here's what it means. The ability to focus beyond the current pressure. Yes, there's a pressure. But God wants to build into my life the ability to look beyond the current pressure. To not allow the current pressure to crack me and break me and shatter me, but to allow it to strengthen me and work in me and give me a greater ability to support others. Jesus himself modeled this. The writer of Hebrews says that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Hupomone. He was able to look past the suffering of the cross. The shame of the cross, the scorn of the cross to what was coming by faith. And God wants to build that kind of strength and faith in our lives as well. That we don't allow the present circumstances we are in, the season of life we're in, what we're going through to break us, but to strengthen us and to allow us to build that patient endurance that can look beyond the current pressures. Not surrendering ever to circumstances, but actually triumphantly facing the circumstances, knowing God is using these circumstances, again, to do all that Paul's already talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Which is why in verse 7, Paul says, Our hope for you is steadfast, it is firmly grounded, because we know that as you share or partner in our sufferings, because they were all suffering at some point, so also you will share in our comfort. Paul's saying, hey, we're, we're testimonies. Our lives are testimonies that when we suffered, God's comfort was there. His help was there. He helped us to get through. And he's helping you get through what you need to deal with in Corinth with the same kind of comfort and help that he gave to us. For notice, verse 8. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, regarding the affliction that happened to us in the province of Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength. Don't miss that. Don't miss that phrase. Because many of us, even as Christians, again, have said that. God, why are you allowing me to go through this? This is more than I can handle. This is beyond my strength. Folks, exactly right. See, God sometimes wants us to go through things beyond our strength so that finally we will look to the God that nothing is beyond Him and begin to learn how we can rely and depend upon Him in greater ways than ever before. Because if God doesn't allow those times to come in, 
you and I will be prone to live our whole life trying to do life by ourselves. If we can figure it out some way, if we can somehow reach deep with inside of us and come up with the strength to keep on doing it, man, we'll run ourselves into the ground before we'll turn to God. And God wants us to get to the point where we don't live life that way, where we take everything to God and where we live every moment in his presence with his help. And especially when suffering and pain and trial comes, where we don't spend one day, one hour of the day worrying and fretting and and trying to deal with it on our own, but where we turn to the God in whom nothing is beyond his strength. See, don't let the times in your life that are beyond you discourage you. Let it be a time in your life where you recognize this is a time where God wants me to trust Him more than maybe I ever have before and where my walk with Him and my relationship with Him will go places where it's never been before and where I will be strengthened through this, I will come out better because of this, and I will have a greater ability to be able to support and help others on the other side of this. That's how God wants me to look at the times in my life that are beyond me and beyond our strength. Because notice Paul goes on to say in verse 8, he says that we despaired even of living. In other words, Paul's saying we were at the end of ourselves. We were without any answers. We were at a complete loss as to how to deal with this. You ever been there? I have. I've said those same things. God, I'm at the end of myself. I don't have any answers. I'm at a complete loss as to how to deal with this. In fact, notice verse 9. Paul is saying the only answer they could come up with was physical death. That's, That's the only thing they could see. Indeed, he says, we felt as if the sentence of death had been passed against us. We can relate to that. If we've been alive any length of time... There have been times in our life where we felt just like Paul. What we're having to navigate and deal with is way beyond our strength. We don't see any answers. We're at a loss as to what we should do. We're at the end of ourselves. Might as well just give it up and just hope God just allows me to die. But notice what Paul says. Indeed, we felt as if the sentence of death had been passed against us so that, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. See, the purpose of the trials, the purpose of the hard assignments from God, the purpose of the pressures that God allows is never to bring discouragement or to despair. In fact, the whole book of 2 Corinthians, as we saw in 2 Corinthians 4, 1 and 16, is all about just plugging ourselves into that daily renewal that we can gain from God as God's children so that we don't, because of a lack of renewal in our lives, get discouraged and become hopeless and despairing. So that we can have that renewed energy to keep on keeping on and not throw in the towel and get that second wind. And Paul even says, all of this was done so that we, even as the apostles, would stop trying to trust in ourselves to figure it out and do it and muster up enough spiritual strength or physical strength or emotional strength, but so that we would start trusting alone in God rather than ourselves. And I love this. 
He says, we were learning to trust in a God who raised the dead. In other words, somehow even in Paul and the other apostles' minds, even if God allowed them to die, God's big enough. He could raise them from the dead because he certainly did with his son, Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul was saying, so, whatever comes our way, God's bigger, God's greater, God's got the ability to help us to handle it. And even if we die physically, well, God can raise the dead. God can raise the dead. I want you to turn with me back to the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. The Old Testament book of Ezekiel is found between the books of Jeremiah and Lamentations and Daniel. All pretty big books, Jeremiah at least and Daniel and Ezekiel. Lamentations is just a little book right after the book of Jeremiah. So if you can find either Jeremiah or Daniel, Ezekiel will be right between those Old Testament books. And I want you to turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. Here's a passage of scripture that really illustrates with a great picture, a real great picture, what Paul is talking about here. How God can breathe new life into us and how he can renew us. Now, obviously in this context of Ezekiel 37, as we're going to see, it says it right here. This is all dealing with the nation of Israel and how God is going to infuse new life in them. That even though they've been in exile, even though they've been scattered around the world, that God is going to bring them back. He's going to make of them a great nation again because this is what he promised Abraham and God is able to do it. Nothing is beyond God. It may look hopeless to the Israelites, but it's not. Not hopeless to God, just as he parted the Red Sea and all of that in the Old Testament, he's going to bring the nation of Israel back into a homeland, which is what he's already done, and he's going to infuse them with new life. But I want you to apply the principles that Ezekiel is writing about here to you and I. Because even though specifically it's talking about Israel and Israel as a nation and how God's going to revive them, the principles of Ezekiel 37 hold true for us as well. Read it along with me, beginning at verse 1. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and placed me in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. He made me walk all around among them. I realized that there were a great many bones in the valley, and they were very dry. They were bleached. They were parched because of the intense heat that they had lain out there for a long time. And he says to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said to him, Sovereign Lord, you know. And I think that that was a statement of faith because Ezekiel was saying, God, I can't make these bones live, but you can. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and tell them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And don't miss the fact that in order to revive these bones and and make these bones live and give renewal to the nation and to individuals, it comes through the word of God. Old Testament, New Testament, the message is the same. God wants to renew us day by day by His Word. That's how we stay strong. That's how we maintain our second wind. That's how we keep going in the midst of hard times. Look, I am about to infuse breath, verse 5, into you and you will live. I will put tendons on you and muscles over you and will cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will live. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. There was a sound when I prophesied and I heard a rattling. 
And the bones came together, bone to bone. Can you imagine what Ezekiel saw? A collision of bones. And as I watched, I saw tendons on them. Verse 8, then muscles appeared and skin covered over them from above. And there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these corpses so that they may live. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an extremely great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are all the house of Israel. Look, they are saying, our bones are dry. Our hope has perished. We are cut off. Folks, that's what the nation of Israel was saying. They were discouraged. They were filled with despair. There was no hope. They would never be a nation again. They would never have a homeland. God could never infuse them with strength. He could never resurrect them as a people. They were down and they were out. The count had already been given from their perspective. It was a ten and they were knocked out, never to rise again. Verse 12. Therefore prophesy and tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am about to open your graves and will raise you from your graves, my people. I will bring you to the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and raise you from your graves, my people, I will place my breath in you and you will live and I will give you rest in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will act, declares the Lord. Here's what the study of 2 Corinthians or 2 Wind is going to be about this semester. Many times, like the Israelites, we find ourselves in a place in life where we're in a spiritual dryness. We don't know what way out. We don't have the answers. We are discouraged. We are, we are in despair. We've either fallen ourselves or we've been knocked down by somebody or something. And we're ready to count ourselves out. Either we're telling ourselves, just stay down, there's no way you'll ever come back, or somebody else is telling us, just stay down, you're knocked out, you're never coming back. And I want what Paul has already said to us in 2 Corinthians 1, and I want the words of Ezekiel 37 to begin to reverberate in our minds in the coming weeks. Because I want to get the message out to you from the Lord, and, and I want this message to go out even further than that. That when you feel like you're down and there's no way back up, there is. There's a God who can bring renewal. There's a God who can make those dry bones live. There's a God that can breathe life into us and bring us back from the brink, can bring us back from whatever, from whoever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where we've been. We have to begin to be renewed by God and to see what God can do. And just to begin little by little, like it was here, it didn't happen all at once. First it was the collision of bones, and then it was the tendons and the sinews and all of that. It was little by little, but eventually they began to become to come back together. And, and maybe you're at a place or you know of someone who's at a place in their life where they're broken, they're shattered, they're ready to give up, they're ready to throw in a towel, they're saying the best years of their life are behind them, there's nothing to look forward to, I'm done, I'm out, count me out. My friends, that's not the message we want to give. The message we want to give is with God all things are possible. That Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life and he wants to breathe into you and I new life. He wants to give us new hope. 
He wants to encourage us and refresh us and revive us and strengthen us to keep on keeping on and to get that second win so that we will wake up tomorrow with whatever life brings and we will face it triumphantly. We will not allow the circumstances of life to get the best of us. And through that daily renewal, we will wake up, we will look beyond the present circumstances and we will say with God on our side and coming alongside to help life bring it on because God and I, we're going to handle this. We're going to stand up to this. We're going to get through this. And God is going to strengthen me and continue to use me as I go through my life. That's what we, the message we want to get out to you and to people all across the valley today. There are too many people that have gotten to the point like Ezekiel 37 where their hope had perished. They felt like we're done. We're cut off. And God says, begin to look to me. Allow me to renew you day by day and change that discouragement and that despair and that half glass empty outlook on life. Let me begin to change that little by little. And then let's get back up and let's start moving. So I'm excited, folks. I think it's going to be a great semester. I'm looking forward to what other things 2 Corinthians has to bring to us. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, thank you so much again for the Bible. God, it is such an unbelievable book that, Lord, takes us wherever we are, even in the worst of our times of life, and and can renew that energy to help us to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. That, Lord, even like the Apostle Paul, we may be in a situation that is beyond our strength, that we don't see any way out. We have no answers. We are at a loss as to how to deal with it. But God, it's at those times that maybe we turn to a God that has the answers. That maybe we turn to a God that nothing is beyond you and beyond your strength to deal with. And finally, we begin to walk with you in a way we never have before. God, help us even this week to walk with you like we never had before, to lean on you, to depend upon you, and rely upon you like never before. And let's just see what begins to happen in our lives as you lead us and as you guide us and renew us day by day. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us back for a wonderful new semester. God bless these folks. Go with them, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I love you. Have a great week. See you next week.